Hello, everyone. Welcome to On the Table. This is Representative Dan Miller. I appreciate you joining us. This is the behind the scenes edition, behind the scenes. Uh, and this one here, we're going to be talking about two of my uh, favorite bills that we've worked on this session. Uh, they both have to relate to the fire service, which uh, for those of you who don't know, obviously it's a bit of a, a priority issue of mine. I spent uh, about 14 years with Mount Lebanon Fire as a volunteer uh, and loved it. Um, appreciate everything and appreciate mostly the men and women I worked with and who helped train me and they're just a fantastic uh, group to be part of. So uh, we're going to talk about those two bills. Uh, and let me just also say hi to who we have here before I introduce our guest. Uh, Steph Hardman is with us as always, the ED of the Democratic Caucus. Uh, Steph, how are you? I'm great, Dan. How you doing? Good. Steph was a firefighter. No, 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 that's right. I no, just no. really, really like firefighters. Yeah, she's hung out at a lot of uh, Pittsburgh fire. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, that's right. Uh, John O'Donnell is a research analyst, helped us with the bills from my office. John, uh, how about you? Uh, been a firefighter? I have not, but I live next to a fire station. So are are you thinking about joining? <laughs> uh, I have in the past, but I, I'm, as you can tell, they can't tell from the video, but I'm not the bulkiest guy. Bit of a nerd being a research analyst, so. Well, it, we, you know, it's, it's, listen uh, we they need have to smarts. train me a lot. That's workable. Don't give up. What are you? Twenty six. Fine. Thirty six. Now, whatever you can do it. Don't give up. Uh, and uh, we actually have our first guest with us, uh, and I'm, I'm very uh, thankful for him to uh, to join us today. I know he's hardworking over in Pittsburgh. Uh, Brian Coquila is the assistant fire chief for uh, Pittsburgh. Um, which is a lot of work, a big department. He's also the task force leader for PA Urban Search and Rescue Strike Team, Strike Team One. So that's the key thing. Brian, thank you for joining us. Yeah, Dan, thank you for having me. Uh, or I should say Representative Miller. And uh, yeah, Dan, right. I, Respect. I'd like to echo your uh, your comments about your staff and, and John. And uh, I, I work with less, but Steph is uh she she loves firefighters and we love her back <laughs> okay. because uh, don't don't swell her head up it's a problem. Well, too late she's, she's, uh, <laughs> she's in our corner dan just like you are and and you make a fantastic team well appreciate it, brian and and uh for those of you, you know i i think about it now because uh, brian we've worked so much together and in, in over like about the last year or so but uh, i met brian funny enough in mount lebanon fire in my uh chief's uh, room, uh, Nick Zahida, uh, just pulled, pulled me in and he's like, look, I got something here for you. And what we didn't realize that it would then lead to hundreds of hours of work between the two of us. So, uh, you know, I think it's kind of funny. You never know how those connections get made, but, uh, definitely appreciate working with you, Brian. You've been a fantastic, uh, very knowledgeable source for us, uh, to help kind of, uh, increase, uh, capabilities out here in the West in particular. Yes, sir. Thank you, Dan. And, and again, you know, you're exactly right. We get these uh, relationships, people that we know, and and it leads to to building our network and and folks that can help solve problems together. And man, I'm yeah. just glad to have you a part of mine. And, and, and hey, Brian, just so you know, you probably told me, but I, I forget with it. How long have you been in the fire service? Boy, Dan, I uh, I entered the emergency services in '93. Uh, and I joined my local volunteer fire department in 95, and I started my career path in 1998. Uh, and I'm now okay. been with the city of Pittsburgh coming up on four years. Okay. Where, where were you before? So I, I grew up in, in Moon Run, uh, Robinson yeah. Township, and a little volunteer fire company where we still rode the tailboard of uh, fire wagons <laughs> when, <laughs> when I was yeah, just a young right. man. 
Um, and then uh, I, I, I left uh, I left Moon Run and Robinson Township for a career in Peters Township for 20 years. I was a, right, I was right. a career firefighter paramedic. Uh, and I, there's some good, there's some good people down in Peters, by the way, that's a good department out uh, there. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, very proud of my 20 years there with that team. And I, I still try to stay in contact with those guys and, and gals and, and, uh, and collaborate where we can, uh, chief, yeah. Mike, chief Mike McLaughlin, uh, mm. in, in Peters has been a, a, a very strong ally, uh, yeah. along with all those guys down there. You know, it's it's definitely something too. It's I, I always think firefighters in particular are about two degrees of separation, right? So no matter what, uh, a firefighter can link you to another firefighter in about three seconds. So uh, and, you, and Dan, you know, it, it's not just locally; it's it then yep. becomes nationally and internationally, and you build this this fantastic network of resources and people that might be dealing with something that you didn't think you'd ever deal with. And you've got to phone a friend. Uh, I've got some, I, I, right. I could tell you stories about that stuff all day long, but I, I know you've got some other things we want to get to. Well, but you know, and you know, I will tell you, it's kind of, uh, you know, you and I are talking, uh, you know, not too far after nine uh, 11, obviously 21st uh, anniversary of nine 11. Um, you know, and I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how much uh, time moves. Uh, but I was with a couple of scouts this past weekend for 9-11. And, um, you know, they kind of said to me, they said, well, you know, what do you, um, you know, what should we know about it type of thing? And I told them it's really not the numbers, like the numbers are there and you should know them, but that's not the story. So it's really the, the feelings, how everybody felt uh, from the horror uh, and the uh, anger uh, to the pride of uh, the emergency response and and everybody running uh, running up um, during that uh, you know horrendous uh, day, um, but I wonder too, my friend. Just uh, on a serious note, before we move on to the bills, um, what do you like to uh, think about or talk about, or what do you encourage people to remember in relation to to nine eleven? So you know, Dan, you you hit you hit my high points uh, when we think about the brave selfless first responders who who on that day uh knew that they were in a sense marching um marching up to to battle one of the the greatest fires in in high-rise history um one of the one of the, the most difficult i should say they're not greatest but uh they were they were working tirelessly to get folks out and um, yeah. i just look back and think how how many people survived as a result of the the actions of those men and women that that just just laid that they yeah. they did their they they remembered their oath and they uh, they made the supreme sacrifice um, and I and I remember too mm. uh, there was a documentary crew that was following around Chief Piper right. um, Battalion One in in Lower Manhattan and they just it just happened chance that they were following him that day. And the calm nature of that guy, uh, yeah. and I always say it like this: when you're when you're in those big fights and you're in those critical situations, that calm is contagious. Uh, if you, as the incident commander, aren't calm, right? Everybody else loses their calm. That guy, I don't know how he yeah. kept as calm as he did, but that was an 
a consummate professional right there. Well, you know, and, and, you know, that's, you know, I appreciate your, your thoughts on that too. And, uh, I'll be, you know, it's, it's something where, uh, I hope that we do, um, that sort of next generation, my kids generation, uh, justice, uh, by helping them to understand, uh, the feelings of that day. Um, you know, in particular, it is, uh, um, you know, the unity afterwards obviously is something that unfortunately seems so distant in too many quarters uh, of our country. Uh, but there were so many emotions, uh, you know, that that came up and it's it, it is something, uh, you know, we have a, you know, a couple, uh, you know, decent sized high rises here in, in Lebo, nothing like you guys in Pittsburgh. But, you know, it is something even when we go up those stairs, when we were doing our drills, it is amazing to think um, uh, the pressure, the stress, uh, the strength that was needed both physically and emotionally. Um, not just for the 343, but for all the responders uh, who were doing their job um, uh, and doing it so amazingly on that day. Uh, it is is difficult to um, uh, to fully uh, comprehend. And I think we'd like to think that we would all match them if put in that circumstance. But, um, you know, I don't know. You know, it takes a lot. It sure does, Dan. And I uh, I, I liked where you were going with the it, the unity, and if you were, you know, well, we lived through it. It didn't matter if you were a D, an I, or an R. Right. Everybody at the end, uh, we were bonded together, and there was collaboration and problem solving and solutions oriented conversations, uh, and a rallying around right. each other that that uh, that was just unparalleled to experience. You know, I, I don't, uh, you're, you know, you're totally right uh, with it. It's, you know, American is always the most important identity uh, that, that I think we have here uh, regarding anything to do with parties. And I don't care what anybody says with it. I still, still, as a Democrat, I uh, guess, get goosebumps when I watch uh, President Bush uh, talk with the megaphone and when I see him throw out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium. So, anyhow, all right. There's a lot there, and thank you, brother, for sharing some of your thoughts. Uh, let, let's talk about a couple of bills uh, that we have. Uh, first uh, is House Bill 2523. John, uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about that bill. Well, I'm going to say this is something that's uh, pretty close to my heart because this was the first bill you had me work on. <laughs> um, House Bill 20, uh, 2523 is a grant for firefighters. Um, and as you and Brian were talking about here, I mean, these are – you know, our, our community heroes here who are really helping, um, you know, to fight fires. And, and your bill works with all groups of firefighters. I mean, it works with volunteers. It also works with city firefighters, um, you know, the uh, professional firefighters like you'd have with Brian. Um, there is a major problem, though, that we have in Pennsylvania, which is that our volunteer firefighters have fallen from uh, the numbers here were about 350,000 in 1990 down to only about 30,000. So, I mean, that's a collapse of 90% of the amount of volunteer firefighters right. uh, that we've had. That's tremendously, that's, that's a huge crisis. Um, and for many of them, one of the big problems for moving them off is that um, they have to do fundraising yeah. all the time. And that's really what's keeping a lot of these volunteer firefighters afloat. And for a place like in Mount Lebanon, where you work for, where it's a combined um, it, it's a combined unit, you know, the volunteer firefighters are essential. And so what this does, um, there has been a, uh, you know, 
in 2006 and 2016, they both did fairly major reports for reform of the firefighting, uh, volunteer firefighting industry here. Um, we have tried to push as a general assembly, a lot of reform through, um, yeah. your bill kind of in that spirit and in a very bipartisan way, tries to take a technical issue and use it to be a support for firefighters. So wow. one of the things that it does mm -hmm. is it actually, as you had mentioned with, uh, state firefighters, um, or sorry, with uh, volunteer firefighters, a lot of that is, um, looking for, for, um, yeah. Sorry. Well, well yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what well, it look, does look, is they're looking for a lot of down fundraising. Here. Let's boil yeah. it down here. Right. So look, what it does is it makes sure that the state picks up the tab for the gear. Right. So or what we're trying to do. Gear. Turn out gear. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. What we're trying to do here with it is like, look, we realize that in too many, not only in volunteer departments are they struggling, but too many uh, career departments as well. They're, they're not getting uh, the gear as quickly as they should. They're not getting uh, the next round. They're kind of sometimes holding on to gear or secondary gear longer than they should um, uh, for it. Uh, look, the one thing that we have to do is no matter whether you're in a career combination volunteer uh, fire department se setting, we have to be sure that our men and women are going in with the right uh, minimum, at least a minimum uh, gear. Uh, and there's no reason why the state should not uh, be helping with that. And like you referenced, too many times uh, departments are too, uh, having to focus on fundraising over training. We, we can't afford to do it. Uh, and, and Brian, I don't know about you, man, but you know how much would you rather prefer uh, training uh, and getting a little dirty um or uh, running bingo what would you what would you do dan we used to have to tend bar all right yeah. you had to work yeah. your bar shift uh back in my volunteer uh company and and that was that was how we were able to to keep funds uh moving uh to keep yep. the doors open uh, yeah absolutely much prefer training and preparing for that than uh, mixing cocktails no, and Dan, your mm -hmm. bill, actually, one of the good things that it does is it um, provides, you know, training that as long as the people get Firefighter 2 certification, which, Brian, if you want to go into what Firefighter 2 actually entails, um, then you're able to get this this grant for gear, which is up to $4,500 for, you know, for gear, which is an expensive part of um, being a firefighter. Well, look, and it's no matter what, like, you know, again, Mount Lebanon, you know, you're talking maybe 35 uh, plus volunteers at a given time. Uh, Pittsburgh, by the way, has how many, how many, uh, how many firefighters for you out there, Brian? Uh, well, how many we should have and how many we do have? Uh, right now, I uh, last count was six eighty-two. Six eighty-two. Yeah, and you got a bunch coming, right? Yes, sir. Got uh, uh, have thirty-one recruits in the in the pipeline right now, and um, you know, with just natural. Uh, time out, timing out and age of yep. our our organization. Uh, those those thirty one will uh, we will still have open vacancies for for another class and another class after that. Well, I and look, that's um, what what a great department for for people to be involved with. So um, I, I hope that you consider uh, you continue you continue to see strong numbers of people trying to get over there. Um, you know, but yeah, look, what we need to do for sure is we have to be, we can't have firefighters, um, struggling to help their departments pay a bill. Uh, and the best thing to do, I've seen a couple of things that we kind of nibble around the edges in relation to, uh, tax credit, this or something for that. Look, cover the costs, just cover the costs, right. And realize that 
we say 30,000 firefighters. I, God bless. I'm not sure we have 30,000 firefighters who are ready to mm. get into uh, to crew an engine. Right, Brian? I, I would agree. And Dan, I, this is the one part that I think is uh, very, very intelligent about the bill. It's it's not just a handout, which, you know, the, the, the departments need the help, but it also um, ties a, a, a carrot to it, if you will, that right. raises the two and realize that firefighter one and firefighter two, those are minimum standards, right? right? That's the minimum level of competence to be able to go out and perform this job effectively, efficiently, and safely. So, uh, yep. Dan, I, I can't commend you and the staff for, for coming up with a creative way that, that kind of does two things at the same time. Uh, well, I'm very proud of you for that. Listen, I appreciate it. And look, firefighter two is, is not that difficult. Once you get firefighter one, firefighter two is is not that difficult to get. So, um, but we got to, you know, let's, like you said, Brian, let's encourage, right? Let's work with the guys. Let's work with the departments. And Dan, just, you know, to tie in with your funding uh, discussion and, and what folks are up against, just with just this year alone, we've seen in Pittsburgh, we've experienced uh, at least a 28% increase in our personal protective equipment costs. So that's, that's. Wow. Coats, pants, hoods, helmets, boots, gloves, you know, that those things are gone up 28%. So when we were preparing for budget cycle uh, and, and trying to predict wow. where we're, where we're going to be in the future, uh, the manufacturer said, well, hate to tell you this, but we don't know based off of feedstocks and supplies in the supply chain, but they're anticipating at least another 8 to 10% increase wow. In, in 23. So uh, now that realize too, that's us buying a, a huge quantity of gear and, and having a, uh, a a very aggressive price point just based on sheer quantity, right? We get a, we get a yeah. massive quantity discount. Uh, I well, couldn't even imagine an organization that's trying to budget and fund four right. sets of gear with, with these unknown cost increases. Um, it, it's right. It's just crazy right now. And Dan, I think, sorry, just to go on this, uh, as Brian was saying, you know, this really consumes so much of the time of firefighters. And for a volunteer department, it could be 60% of your time or more that you are just fundraising. And, yep. you know, these are, this is a public service that they are providing. And, you know, if they're spending most of their time, would you rather your firefighters be fundraising or training? You know, well, so. you know, hey, uh, Brian, I was up at the fire ops run, uh, you know, uh, by the union uh, recently. I, I don't know if you um, if you were up there at all on, on that one, but um, they they had um, they had some new um, some new gear up there that embedded the tick uh, into uh, the straps. Uh, and are you guys getting that? Well, Dan, we uh, right now we don't yeah. have any budget for to replace our SCBA. We're working through um, both a capital budget request and uh, in a in a congruent path where we have in a regional mm. um, SCBA replacement grant request. Um, you know, do we need it? Yeah, we're our, our right. SCBA is is getting to it's getting pretty long in the tooth, and we can show. Uh, our increase in maintenance costs that that you know at some point you 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 really balance that pendulum uh, not just ex expiration dates but you know the cost of ownership becomes uh unwieldy 
And yeah, yeah the, the, the increase in technology that's available, we are absolutely considering uh, that, that thermal imaging camera built into the gear. Um, right. we're, we're actually have just started to uh, do a replacement program uh, for new thermal imaging cameras as, as all the ones that we have now have, have gone into life and are not supported any longer. So, yeah, you know, that's, uh, I, I tell you, obviously, um, uh, and when I said tick, it's, that's what Brian's talking about as a thermal imaging camera. If you didn't, if you didn't know with it, but usually we're talking handheld devices. It can vary in sizes. Uh, I've seen a couple different makes, of course, over the time. And usually, um, you know, uh, the engines will have, uh, at least one, you know, that will be there. I think, um, uh, what we are seeing is, as Brian's referencing is uh, technology is, um, able to embed more safety measures in, um, to individual, uh, gear. Uh, and that is, uh, that's fantastic. It obviously has a cost factor, uh, but also like some of the departments too, if you think of Brian's department, um, you know, uh, Brian, I, I actually couldn't even imagine how many like, uh, uh, fire incidents are you guys basically getting a year in Pittsburgh? Uh, Dan, it, it, uh, I'd have to go back and, and run the numbers to give you an exact number, but right. there are multiple fires a week that our, yeah. that our crews are going to. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's a good, good if you, if you indulge me, I think that, um, you know, when you're, when you're talking about the increasing threats, the increasing yeah. cost, the increasing training that, that John mentioned. Uh, you know, I missed Fire Ops 101 because I was in New York City uh, attending a, uh, a lithium-ion emergency response seminar. And we're, we're seeing nation and worldwide this, this new threat with uh, failures of lithium-ion batteries in, in mobility devices and in... Uh, and in some cases, vehicles. And as we as we go towards uh, a more sustainable model, we we also have that threat. And yeah. there's another thing that that, that folks are going to need to invest time and uh, in training on, so that they know how to properly deal with it. And to John's point, you know, if we could take away that, yeah. uh, if we could help him with the support of of basic personal protective equipment, right? And allow yeah. more time for training on emerging threats and new challenges. I think it's just phenomenal. Well, and look, uh, let's you and I, of course, can talk all day. And let's let's shift. And John, thank you, because uh, I'm, I'm going to move pretty quickly on that one. Obviously, I know we we're going to plan on reintroducing that bill in the coming session um, and and look to build off of some support there. Um, but I also want to talk and because talk about emerging uh, threats. Um, you know, from from Brian, I want to talk about House Bill 2492. Um, now, this one here is a bill that I introduced uh, as second uh, to uh, Representative Mihalik. Um, uh, her and I, uh, I, I love working on bills together when we when we're able to. And of course, fire related uh, bills really should never be partisan uh, in, in any sense. So we do have House Bill 2492, um, which basically uh, you know, stemmed out of uh, obviously an incident uh, uh, in Pittsburgh. But let, let's talk uh, with Steph here first. Steph, tell us uh, 2492, what are we looking at? What are we trying to do there? So basically urban and search, excuse me, urban search and rescue operations in PA aren't structured based currently in a way that gives an even balance of attention and support to every part of our state. 
So uh, the search and rescue system, or the urban one, was created in 2002 following the 9-11 attacks um, to provide a statewide system of specialized research and or, my God, I'm doing awesome today. Search and rescue elements to provide emergency assistance during man-made and natural disasters. Um, but as it stands now, there's only one organized PA urban search and rescue task force team in PA. Um, and it's a federal asset, uh, which means it can be deployed to other states to provide support during emergencies and disasters, leaving us in PA without adequate support system. So it's also located on the eastern side of the state in Philly. So if there's an emergency in Western PA and this resource is deployed, it could take quite a while to reach those in need, um, you know, who need emergency services. So uh, basically, yeah. our bill uh, requires the creation of a second PA task force urban and search, search and rescue team based in Allegheny County to assume primary coverage in the West. Uh, and it's important to note that it doesn't reduce any coverage or resources from Eastern PA, but adds a second reliable statewide resource. And so I, I, I really love this bill and I enjoyed helping to to write it, um, even though it took took a lot of blood, sweat and tears. So, but <laughs> Well, and, and look, Brian, that's exactly uh, right. Obviously, as as was referenced, uh, this idea itself is not new. Uh, it, it's it's you know, now almost 20 years old and at different points have been kind of brought up and, and then maybe pushed uh, down a little bit, um, you know, and and clearly we had an issue in January where where your guys, uh, uh, you know, uh, your team um, uh, in Pittsburgh uh, responded to the bridge collapse. Uh, and uh, I know you guys did a, did a great job over there. Uh, why don't you tell us a bit about uh, that incident um, uh, and what could have what could have been a need, uh, what and, and what could have been an issue in relation to that? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. And thanks, Steph. Um, you know, I, I, I am also 110% behind this and, and just flattered that you guys have taken up this challenge, uh, both both you and Representative Mihalik to, to right size and, and uh, appropriately equip urban search and rescue resources for the protection of the entire Commonwealth. Uh, specific to the Fern Hollow Bridge Collapse, um, I, I'm going to say that we were very lucky uh, as it mm. relates to the, the the fact that there were um, th there were no fatalities, there was no right. one trapped underneath. But in the process of of managing that event, one of the things that became uh, very evident is that we we had a potential uh, and a very credible potential for folks to have ended up underneath that bridge when it collapsed. Um, not knowing uh, exactly how it laid and and how uh, what voids were available, we we started our folks uh, doing what would be a standard search practice, um, and they they were actually able to to gain access to uh, most of the underside of the bridge. There was enough void spaces, and they were able to access them. But what one of the key uh, tools that that we would utilize in in collapse search and rescue is uh, canine assets. And right. we, while we are fortunate in Western PA to have search, wilderness search canines and bloodhounds, those those uh, canines are not trained to operate and or search in, in disaster areas related to structural collapses. Um, so we, we requested that resource from the Commonwealth uh, and that that resource, those those folks, they were very accommodating. They got them on the road uh, very quick. But but we you know we have a a large state 
and uh, there is a time crunch from from uh, from the east to, to get mm-hmm. to the west. And uh, there was a delay, and we were able to perform uh, ninety. We were luckily able to perform ninety nine right. percent of that search and and feel very confident. And then we, when the canines did arrive hours later, we we ran them to uh, to validate our results and right. and just ensure that there was no missed victims in this uh, in this event. Um, well, that's the thing with it, Brian. I mean, obviously, look, it's um, you know, thank God the the ability of your team to 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 be there uh, and to re- respond first of all as quickly as you did, be able to get through the actual scene itself in a way that led you to a pretty good certainty that there wasn't any victim uh, that was there, you know, and that allowed obviously the framing, I know of the request uh, to the East to send help to be, um, to be appropriate. The time that they responded, I know you appreciate the effort, but it would have been different, right? I mean, let's assume though that you could not have confirmed, you know, and that you weren't as certain if you know or that you had information that really told you that there was somebody who was trapped underneath that would have been a different situation yeah and and, and dan i mean again go back to the size uh, of the commonwealth 300 plus miles wide um it actually would be a shorter travel distance for me to get uh canine resources out of state uh to get to western pennsylvania than it would be for our our, our brothers and sisters in philadelphia to support us and that's again nothing against them. It's just it's just a physical limitation. It's 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 geography. Yeah. Uh, it's its size and scope and scale. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, and, and you go back to the, what Steph alluded to the the creation of the system was was post nine eleven and uh, Governor's Commission on Homeland Security um, proposed that a second urban search and rescue task force be established. Now that's that's almost twenty years ago. Um, the model that the state uh, rolled out at the time was 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 cutting edge um, and it was initiated well, but uh, there was no follow on support. We were very fortunate that we have the support of the city of Pittsburgh and our partners yeah. in the Counterterrorism Task Force, which is 13 counties surrounding the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, initially, that's a little got a little bigger now, but if we didn't have that support from those groups, mm-hmm. we, we wouldn't we wouldn't be in existence to even respond to a Fern Hollow collapse or a city of Washington building collapse. So, uh, right. Right. Well, you know, and that that's, uh, it, you know, this is why, by the way, we, we talk about these two bills be, uh, together, because what I think some people may be surprised about. Uh, and I know I had some really in-depth conversations with Mayor Ganey. Um, you know, who I know is supportive of in, increased resources and capabilities here in the West. But one of the things that we 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 definitely uh, t- we know in that what I think people need to understand is that we in the West are dependent upon each other. Right. So making sure Pittsburgh uh, is is uh, funded and staffed, ready to go um, is important to everyone because uh, of what they provide to regional assets. And it's the same thing I know we hear in Mount Lebanon. We have Mount Lebanon uh, uh, crews that are part of the uh, strike team response that currently exists, right? So there is an interplay between uh, resources that we have done a, a pretty good job in the West in in, in setting up. Uh, by the same token, now is the time for that investment, I believe, from the state to make sure that the teams that we are putting together here in the West have don't have hours of delay 
because um, the primary uh, set of uh, uh, sort of um, you know equipment uh, is it is five hours to the east. You know. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. One hundred and ten percent, Dan. And I, you know, you 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 pull a great string there when you say how well the West collaborates, and and we really do. Uh, and that was the vision of of some really smart folks uh, years pre 9-11 that, that established some, some very strong Western Pennsylvania alliances and mutual, agree, mutual aid agreements where we're, right. we are all supporting each other. And, and you're right, this isn't just a Pittsburgh problem. Sure, we've got the largest uh, population base in the West, but, but it's not just Pittsburgh, it's a problem. It's, it's Western Pennsylvania. And we look at the the infrastructure that is that is failing uh, as as far south as the city of Washington uh, is in the city of Pittsburgh. And it could happen in Beaver or Butler or Westmoreland. Just the same. Um, Yeah. Didn't Penn Hills just have a garage collapse? Correct. Yeah. We were uh, requested for for that as a specialized asset um, because uh, they they had a parking deck uh, collapse and. And again, we're not sure if there was folks trapped underneath it. Uh, luckily, there was all the surface victims were removed rapidly. Uh, right. But but we had to do that search underneath. Now, again, luckily, we were able to do it with with some of the tools and uh, equipment that we had. But we could have accomplished that faster and safer uh, utilizing canine resources. Well, and look, this is uh, this is. This is why I think both these bills uh, need to move in the next session. Um, and I think there's enough here that Western Democrats and Republicans can feel good. Eastern Democrats and Republicans can feel good. None of these things are meant to take resources away from anything else. We're just talking about expanding the our, our ability to respond uh, while we have the opportunity. There is resources in Harrisburg right now that can be used to fully fund these systems and have them up in place. Now, look, uh, Steph, I know that we were successful a bit um, thanks to Brian efforts and also uh, Ralph Sakuro over the, of course, the, the union, very helpful to, with his leadership and his team by making sure that we were able to, to kind of talk with the legislature a bit. Um, and we were able to secure some funding with uh, Jay Costa's help in the Senate. Uh, so we are on the path with this, right? Yeah, um, the, the but the impetus and the reason uh, I would say that we do need the bill to pass is that, you know, that's going to create a standardized um, uh, program that would receive dedicated funding via the budget, you know, with its own line item rather than us trying to find the money every year. And, you know, we worked hard for that. We worked with the Senate Democrats and that's great. Um, but, you know, that's a harder thing to do than having something that has its own standardized program well, through statutes. But, yes, that's we right. were able to do that. And we need we need this second the second team like formally created, yes, um, you know, exactly. I think. Um, yeah. and, and we can talk, you know, look, Brian, there are things that we can talk and compromise uh, and, and work with our, our friends in the east or friends in Pima to try and get something uh, done. But the status quo uh, is not sufficient. Uh, and and here in in PA in Western PA, they're asking us to live with that insufficiency. And I don't understand why they would think that we would find that to be appropriate. And, and I would say here as well, Dan has mentioned this several times, just how long are you willing to wait under a bridge for, for someone to come and, and get you? You know, and that's something if you're waiting for that five hours from Philadelphia, that's going to be a long wait when you are injured under a bridge. 
so in, but John, I'd like to jump in here and remind everybody that yes, that's me getting in a car. I can drive and uh, exceed the speed limit and make it from here to Philadelphia or Philadelphia to Pittsburgh. I can't do that in a tractor trailer. Exactly. And I can't do that in a convoy that is bringing those resources. And we have to take it. We have to add the other pieces to this. It takes time for that disaster declaration to occur and the authorization for that team to be alerted. It takes time for that team in Philadelphia to stand up and muster. They have a four hour spin up time. So add those on to we're we're, ta- we're pushing 11, 12 hours. Yeah. Um, and, so- and you're talking about lives. You know, I mean, this is someone who, you know, is going to be trapped under a bridge and every minute, you know, we talk about that every minute that's added is is a problem. And we're talking about adding 11 hours. So, well, look, and, and that's why I, I tell you, I think we do have something and I am optimistic. Uh, I do appreciate uh, Rep. Mihalik's uh, support of this. I hope that we can grow with that. I know Senator Costa. I know I talked to Senator Williams uh, in the Senate, and we hope to find some. Uh, I, I've actually talked to Senator Robinson as well, and you know, so I'd like to see something maybe that can move from the Senate. Uh, at the end of the day, we don't care which bill. If it's 2492 that gets across the finish line, fantastic. If it's a bill from the Senate, fantastic. But we have work to be done. Uh, and 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 speaking of work, I know I'm holding Brian up from from a lot as well. So you know, look at. <laughs> Brian is our first guest, and I can't tell you how honored I am uh, to both be working with him and Ralph uh, and Timmy and everybody in the fire service. And uh, I thank Nick in my own department here for getting us together and looking to address. We have some other things we want to talk about uh, as well. We have some EMS work we got to do. Uh, we have some, uh, um, you know, uh, sort of um, uh, wildfire uh, work that we got to uh, take a look at to find some support. Right, Steph? Aren't you working on that already? Yes, the yeah. wilderness search and rescue. There we go. We got some stuff that we got to do out there, too. So we got a bunch of things that we want to try and take care of. It it takes reps uh, of all types and senators to listen to the men and women who are out there doing the job. Brian, I want to thank you for everything you've given to this effort uh, and to all the team who's been helping us get it done. Uh, We got a lot of work still to do, brother, but I think we can get there. And and Dan, I can't thank you and your team and the team in Representative Mihalik's office and all the work from uh, Senator Costa and his staff, uh, the the the, uh, the amount of funding that you were are were able to eke out for us is going to help us make it better now. Uh, but it's not the end game, so we've still got a long a long way to go. But man, I, I am so just happy and proud of you for taking on and recognizing this project and and the need and the threat and the and the reality of of the situation. And, and fighting for uh, for all of Western Pennsylvania uh, and the Commonwealth at large. So thank you wow. And, wow. and you and all you guys. So. Listen, thank you, brother. Look, we're going to have more information on this effort in this bill uh, uh, coming in probably in late October. Uh, so we'll probably be looping back around. We do plan, obviously, on finishing the job in the coming session, uh, God willing. Uh, so expect us to hear more. I want to thank Brian, Steph, and John for all joining us uh, today. Uh, if you haven't as yet, please be sure to subscribe to On the Table. Uh, we'll look forward to be back and talking to you all soon.